All right, good morning, everybody. Good morning. <laughs> it is so good just to be with God's family and hang out. And aren't those boys just super cute? My goodness. We thank God uh, for Liam. We thank God for Ezra. We thank God for moms and dads. And we thank God for you. I'm so thrilled that you're here this morning, whether you just come to celebrate uh, someone being baptized or to support a family that is uh, here to dedicate their child and their family uh, to follow the way of Jesus. My name is Jose, if we haven't met. And uh, a couple of things that you want to know as we're moving uh, into the Christmas season, this is our last message in 1 Corinthians uh, till after Christmas. But next week, we start uh, making our way towards Christmas. And the theme this year is unexpected. Every year as we look at the advent of Jesus, the arrival of Jesus, the promise of Jesus to return, we, we try to look at it with fresh lenses. And, and so we want to think about the unexpected nature of how God chose to rescue the world. And so for those of you who are wondering, it's in our weekly, but I'll remind you, we are going to gather Christmas Eve, one gathering at four o'clock. So mark yourself. And next week, we already have them printed, but we'll wait till after Thanksgiving We'll have these little invite cards that you can invite people at work or at school or in the neighborhood to, to celebrate Jesus this Christmas. So that's that. Second thing is we invite you to participate in giving. If you're new at our church, we try to live out the ethic of Jesus. And Jesus gave himself. He gave his life as a ransom for many. And so we want to give our lives away. And the way we do that practically is that we try to live generous. And if uh, giving isn't part of your routine of following Jesus... I invite you to step in. It's always better to give than receive. And the way we do it here is primarily digitally. So if you go to our website, you can click on the Give page, and it shows you how to do that. There's an app called PushPay. Or for those of you who like to give materially with check or cash, there's a little bowl on the back table called Get Connected. All right, those, that's what you need to know. Let's just uh, pray, and let's look at what God has to say to us even this morning. Lord, we pause and we say thank you. Thank you for the young life, for Ezra, Lord, for Liam, and for these moms and dads. We thank you for the gift of breath in our lungs. We thank you for the future that you've given to these families and to all of us who parent. Lord, this is a holy calling to be a part of raising people to follow you. And we say thank you. Uh, Lord, we thank you for the gift of new life. Uh, we thank you for Alex, and we thank you for Parker, and we thank you that at the right time, in the right moment, God, you got a hold of their heart and lives, and you're doing something that's very real, and, and it's beautiful to watch. And so thank you that we get to witness today these kinds of things that you're doing. And so, Lord, now open our eyes, because there are things that you want us to know about yourself and about our own lives. And about how we can live in the way of Jesus, in a way that honors you, that would make you smile, God, because we were created by you and for you, so we want to honor you with our lips and with the way that we live. So help us, Holy Spirit of God, to receive what we need to receive, so that today and tomorrow and Tuesday in this Thanksgiving week, we can actually live in a way that pleases you. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Everybody said, 
Amen. It's so fun. I mean, all Sundays are fun, but this is like especially fun, especially when you can threaten your daughter's boyfriend with a long dunking. So, sorry, Alex, I couldn't, couldn't help it. But it's just so good to celebrate like children and the future that we don't know about, but you can see because they're small. They happen to both be on our, both families are in our community group. So we watch them, you know, when moms were big and then babies are born and, and then there is, there's little and then there's now growing and there's just, it's beautiful. And it's, it's fun as well to celebrate new faith. And we remind ourselves that there was a time we weren't following Jesus. There were moments when he wasn't all that special to us, but then God did something and and our lives were awakened, right? And hopefully, for many of you, that was years or decades ago. And uh, baptisms should be the reminder that God awakens us. And he brings us to new life. And so we thank God. And what's happening here is beautiful and meaningful. And it's spiritual. I want us to think about that word this morning. Because what happens here isn't just water. And it's not just prayer. It's actually spiritual. The question is, what does it mean to be spiritual? I want us to think about that question because it's, I think it's one of the questions of our day. We're living in a globally connected world with ideas flying all over the place at all times. And when I say that I am spiritual, and when you say that you are spiritual, or you hear the person who's, you know, talking like, I'm not a really religious person, but I consider myself to be spiritual, I think we have to agree that we don't always understand what that means. And, and what I say spiritual means and what you say spiritual means may not be the same thing. What does it actually mean? What is spirituality? How do you define it? Can you grab a hold of it? Can it become clear? And, and is there anything in the Bible that we could see to form the way we think about this all-important word that really speaks to the aches of the hearts today. Well, for those of you who are newer or just visiting, we walk through, for the most part, through large portions of the Bible, and we're in a letter uh, that was written by the Apostle Paul to a church that he helped plant in an ancient Roman city called Corinth. And we've been working our way through it. So the question I'm asking this morning isn't just me making it up or trying to connect the dots on a, on a special day. It's actually where we left off last week and start this week. It's the question that Paul is speaking to, to this young Jesus community. Uh, We remember the last three weeks, we looked at things that seem foolish to people, but actually is the wisdom of God. The cross seems foolish to people that God would use an ancient Roman torture tool to be the symbol by which he's going to rescue anyone, young or old, that wants to live forever with him. That God will use a cross, that God will use a church, that God will use these ordinary people, men and women, young and old, who aren't really anything, but this connected group of people who follow Jesus together is the light of the world. It's the hope for the world. The church is God's vehicle to bring his hope to the world. That seems foolish to humans, but it's actually the wisdom of God. And then last week, Dan helped us to see Jesus was crucified for you is the message. He wasn't just crucified for humanity. That's great. He was actually crucified for you as a person, personally. He died on the tree to bring us back to life with God. Now that seems foolish to most people, but it's actually the wisdom of God. 
And the very message is the message that can save. Now, okay, spiritual. We're going to read some words from Paul. We're going to continue in chapter 2, if you have your Bible, 1 Corinthians 2, chapter 2, verse 6. We'll read through verse 13. We'll do that in a second. But I want us to remember that Paul is speaking to a city that is fully spiritual. Uh, Corinth is the third largest or most influential city in the Roman Empire. And because people go there for work, it has been flooded with people, immigrants who've come from around the empire because it's at a crossroads, north, south, east, and west of trade. People move there to do business. And with that, they bring their faith with them because whenever you have a large city, it's usually an eclectic mix of people and their vision and their values and their beliefs. And so Corinth is a spiritual city. You can't go around Corinth without seeing symbols of worship. You have emperor worship. The Caesar was to be worshiped as divine. The Caesar was a son of God, so they thought. So there's emperor worship, and there's the pantheon of the gods. There's Zeus and all of the other forms of God or gods. There are temples, ornate structures that remind people that God is among us and he's to be worshiped. And so when you go around Corinth, You're not going to a city with a spiritual vacuum. It's alive. Unfortunately, here in the Pacific Northwest, because we're like um, Pioneer Trail, the end of the trail, we don't have as much physical structures. But you go to the old cities. You go to the Northeast, where I was born and raised. You'll see churches everywhere. You go, I've been to to more than 40 countries. And wherever you go in the world, wherever cities and countries you go to, you see these symbols of worship, whether it's mosques or churches or temples or shrines, or holy sites. We can't help. It's in our DNA to mark out places where we want to connect with God. We don't have as much as the physical signs, not as many physical churches, or mosques, or temples here. But let me tell you, Portland is a city where we worship. We want to connect with what's above. And so, in our lingo, in the Pacific Northwest, is like, hey man, I'm not religious but I am spiritual. Okay, so let's just think about this. And then I want to read what, what God has to say through this letter to hopefully inform us. Two reasons. One, it's helpful if we know what we mean by when we, when we say spiritual. That's helpful. Number two, it's really helpful when we have a biblical grounding so that when we're having conversations with people who want to express or talk about what they think and feel, that we can help them to see what spirituality can be. And to put some like actual teeth to these phrases that we use, but we also don't always know what we're talking about. So for some, spiritual can simply mean connection with something or someone that we cannot see. So you have physical, right? I I see you, you see me, we see structures, but then there is spiritual. For some, spiritual simply means a non-material. It's just out there. It's Real, but I can't see it. That's some definition, and that's some focus. Okay, that's, that's all right. For others, spiritual means unexplainable. Like I have rational, I have thought, I have ideas, I have logic, I have grounded truths that make sense. But then there's some things that just don't make sense. I can't fully explain. And so that could be, for them, what it means to think of spiritual. And again, nothing wrong with that. Uh, To be honest, in in our situation, I think for many, spiritual is defined by whatever I think about what I don't understand. 
And so spiritual is, is about finding your path. It's about finding your pursuit. It's about seeking. It's about searching. It's about recognizing there's got to be more, but I don't know what the more is. So I don't need a God. I don't need a religion. I don't need a structure. What I just need to is to keep searching. And again, all of these, I, I'm just saying these are things that I hear when I'm having conversations with people, and maybe these are things that you've heard. And, and the question becomes, as a Jesus follower, I consider myself to be spiritual. But when I say it, I, 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 I know that I mean more than immaterial, like there's physical and there's, there's immaterial that's real. And I know I mean more than things I can't explain. And I know that I mean more when I say I follow Jesus and I'm spiritual. I know to me that means way more than, than simply saying I'm on a pursuit and I'm on a journey and I'm looking and I want to connect. Here's my point. We think this is new, and it's actually not. The human experience, if you read the Bible seriously, is a longing to be connected with the creator. From the beginning is Adam, and there's Eve, and they're created in the image of God. And the Bible says that God walks with them in the cool of the day. It's more than metaphor. God is connected with his creation. And we know that when Adam and Eve, when, when they rebel it pushes and it creates a vacuum. And now they're running from God instead of enjoying God. And yet they're still seeking. And then their descendants and then their descendants and their, their descendants are looking and longing. So by the time you get to Genesis 11, there's this tower that's made to the heavens. And all people are building a tower trying to physically reach the heavenlies because it seems like God is so distant and God is so far. And so... This is not a new idea, and our language may be fresh language, but it's actually an ancient longing. And I want us to think this morning how we can grow as followers of Jesus in being spiritual and helping people who are honestly searching to find something that's more than immaterial, more than an unanswered question, more than a longing, but actually real, and tangible. And so Paul gives a framework. Let's just read it. You have your Bible. Let's just read it. First Corinthians chapter 2, and we'll, we'll, we'll start in verse 6. It's in the middle of a paragraph. So the beginning, if you're new to the Bible, if you haven't been here, it may sound like he's just jumping in the middle, but I'll just pick up where we left off. He says, we do, however, speak a message of wisdom among the mature, but not the wisdom of this age, or of the rulers of this age who are coming to nothing. Now, no, we declare God's wisdom, a mystery that's been hidden and that God is destined for our glory before time began. None of the rulers of this age understood it, for if they had, they would not have crucified the Lord of glory. However, as it is written, what no eye has seen, no ear has heard, and what no human mind has conceived, the things that God has prepared for those who love him. These are the things God has revealed to us by his Spirit. The Spirit searches all things, even the deep things of God. For who knows a person's thoughts except 
their own spirit within them. In the same way, no one knows the thoughts of God except the Spirit of God. What we have received is not the Spirit of the world, but the Spirit who is from God, so that we may understand what God has freely given us. This is what we speak, not in words taught us by human wisdom, but in words taught by the Holy Spirit explaining spiritual realities with spirit-taught words. Okay, I, I recognize it's a lot. I want to break it down and, and just clarify what's, what's clearly written here, but may, may sound vague to us. I want us to think about what it means to be spiritual. Write this down. It might be helpful because Paul gives an actual framework based on all of the Bible. Spiritual means the Holy Spirit has come into your life. This might be new. And, and so I just... I'm not saying believe it. I'm just saying think with me for a moment. When we all define what spiritual is, what is it defined as in terms of following the way of Jesus? Well, Paul, who's immersed in the Bible, who's read it and understood it from the beginning, and now he's seen the teachings in the life of Jesus, and now he's trying to explain to an eclectic group of quote-unquote spiritual people in the city of Corinth who are having all sorts of spiritual understandings. And he brings us to the basis that I think should give us a huge bit of confidence. If you are a follower of Jesus, you are spiritual, and here's why. For us, those of us who take Jesus seriously and have chosen to follow him, it means God has given us the gift of his very spirit. It means that God's spirit doesn't just live afar. God's Holy Spirit has now come into my life. I want us to grapple with that. Like, not just into the life of the church as a whole, but me, Jose, you, by name, you've been given the Holy Spirit, and because of that, something can happen that could not happen before. Okay, let's just walk through the text. Verse 6, I'll read it again. We do, however, speak a message of wisdom among the mature, and then he contrasts, but not the wisdom, the so-called wisdom of this age or the rulers of this age who are coming to nothing. Everyone has an idea about who God is, what God is like, and how to come into closeness with him. Everyone has an idea. And for some of the ideas, there is no God, so do what you want. You die, you decay, it's over. That's an idea. But everyone has an idea already about what it means to approach God, whether that's personal, whether that's force, whatever that is, we all have a view and, and, and what Paul says is there are all sorts of wisdoms out there, right? So you just, just go to Powell's and just go to the section on spirituality. I, I encourage you actually to do it. I've walked down the aisles and I realize that there, there's all sorts of wisdom. There are all sorts of ideas. There are all sorts of rulers. There are all sorts of sages. There are all sorts of scholars. There are all sorts of magnetic personalities who write well and speak well and think well, and so we follow their line of thinking. But what Paul is saying is here is, is, is that because of the death and resurrection of Jesus, spiritual is now not just immaterial. It's not just an attempt to follow God. It's not just an explaining the unexplainable. No, it's actually more profound. It's that in our search 
for God. God has done what we cannot do for ourselves. And God has come in the person of Jesus who lived the perfect life. God made flesh. We're going to look at that, the unexpected nature of how Jesus came over the next four weeks. And because that is real, and because Jesus really died on a cross and really rose again, now we're empowered to know the living God in ways we could not before. So the wisdom of this age, all of these concepts and ideas, as powerful and as potent as they may seem, they're coming to nothing. And they're going to be seen for what they are. Good attempts or bad attempts or poor attempts, whatever way you want to look at it. That none of them reach what Jesus has done for us. And so there was a mystery. Notice he says in verse 8, none of the rulers of this age understood it, for if they had understood it, they would not have crucified the Lord of glory. Everyone, everyone has their attempt. And people, not even realizing during the time of Jesus that God had come among them to save them, the Roman leaders and the Jewish leaders and the so-called spiritual sages They're the ones who crucified him. They had no idea what God is doing. But God in his own wisdom, in the death and resurrection of Jesus, provided a way. So it's not vague. Spirituality, hear me, does not have to be vague. It actually isn't. To be spiritual in the Christian sense of the term. Now, pause. That doesn't mean everyone sees it the same way, but I want to give us a framework. When we, those of us who follow the way of Jesus, when we think of what it means to be spiritual, it is not just that we connected with the immaterial. It's not that we have some answers to life's toughest questions. It's actually more simple and more profound. It's that God has met us in the death and resurrection of Jesus. And that not vague, that very real event in history, Jesus' death and resurrection, is the most powerful act of God's love. Because our sin was paid for on the tree, because our rebellion has now been covered by Jesus taking the shame, and because God is life, and he is alive, and Jesus is risen, and Jesus is going to return to make the world new. Because these things are real, I can now walk and talk and live in alignment with this God tangibly. How? I receive the Holy Spirit. So in verse nine, verse 9, however, as it is written, what no eye has seen, what no ear has heard, what no human mind has conceived, the things that God has prepared for those who love him, these are the things God has revealed to us by his spirit. Everything changed in the death and resurrection of Jesus. And by everything, I mean absolutely everything. How we approach God now changes. Why? Because Spiritual for us means that we have been given the gift of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit has now come into our life. No eye could see before Jesus. No mind could imagine before Jesus. No one could comprehend how God was going to rescue the broken world that we still now live in. But God has chosen to make it known to us by giving us his Holy Spirit, which means we can really know God, which means we can really learn his ways, which means we can really follow his path, which means we can really experience his love. None of us had in mind 
God's great love for our life. I want you to think about you for a moment. It's easy. We're American. We're obsessed with us, right? We are. We love thinking about us. The greater thing about thinking about in life, other than me, is me or more of me. I want you to think about your life. How much does God love you? How deep is God's love for you? You say, well, I don't know if it's all that deep at all because I know me and I know God and God is holy and I'm not. God's love for you is so rich and deep and we see it in the real death and resurrection of Jesus, but how am I gonna know and experience God's great love for me? And here's the beautiful reminder, dear friend. You and I can have confidence in approaching God, not because I'm great at the pursuit, because I'm actually not, not because I'm wise and I've studied and I've known well. Well, I've studied a little bit, but the more I study, the less I know. The more I learn, the more I realize I am an idiot and I have so much to learn. It's not our pursuit. So, so for many of us, spiritual is our desire to make our way to God and the apostle by the Holy Spirit reminds us, no, 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 no. Spiritual is I was dead in my own sinfulness. And because of God's great love for me, his death and resurrection and my trust in him alone brings me to life with God. I have a new name. I'm a child of God. I have a new start. The old is gone, the new has come. I have a new future. I will be with God now, I will be with God forever, and I'm not alone. I can come to God at all times with all things because I have been given the Holy Spirit. I am deeply spiritual. I do not mean I'm trying hard. I'm deeply spiritual simply means I have received grace from God. I have the Holy Spirit. Therefore, the God that seems unknowable is now knowable. Now, that doesn't mean, friend, that you get to know it all. It doesn't mean you get the intimate details of God and all of his ways. And why does God do that? Why does God allow that? Why does God seem silent at moments? Why does he allow for pain or suffering? Why is this world a mess if Jesus is alive? Why is the world a mess? There are things I do not know. When we think about your life, the details, you're like, sometimes you say, man, that had to be God. Like, because there's no way. And other times, like, God, are you around? Doesn't mean we get all of the details, but you and I can gain wisdom, strength, courage from God because we are spiritual. And by that, I mean we've been given the Holy Spirit to now live inside of us. Let's get hyper-practical. You can be five years old and receive God's Holy Spirit. You can walk into a room with no knowledge of the Bible, none. You can hear Jesus Christ was crucified for you. And in that, God can awaken your senses to realize how indebted you are and how guilty and shame-filled, but how loving he is and that his love for us is greater than our own sinfulness and rebellion. And you can, in a moment, call out to God and say, God, rescue even me. At five years old, you can have that experience and receive the Holy Spirit of God. This is mind-blowing. Or you could be a double PhD and search and learn and have the same experience where you come to your senses and you realize how desperately needy you are 
for forgiveness and wholeness and life. And it's in Jesus who's risen and you can put your trust. So, so whether you're five or you're the double PhD, who is more spiritual? Wrong question. Because to be spiritual means that the Holy Spirit has come into our lives. I'm gonna read again what he says that means. Verse 10, the Spirit, the Holy Spirit searches all things, even the deep things of God. And then he goes on and gives it a little illustration. So we know that the Holy Spirit is God, right? God has revealed himself as Father, Son, who came to the earth, and Holy Spirit. One God, one will, one desire. And he uses human analogy to help us try to lean in. He says, for who knows a person's thoughts except their own spirit within them? So I'm going to do a little exam. Okay, I'm thinking about something. What is it? That was really close. How did you know? <laughs> it was actually Seahawks, but, but, uh, but. Okay, so I had a thought, and his analogy is actually helpful. I can guess what that person's thought is, or that person can let me know his thoughts. So just like we, in our own person, know what we're thinking. No one knows a person's thoughts except their own spirit within them. In the same way, no one, no one, no one knows the thoughts of God except the Spirit of God. So we're learning that the Holy Spirit of God enables us to know God's very thoughts. So in the essence of our life in a similar way. We have the Holy Spirit. We can actually know God's promises and plans and, and we can lean on him. Here's why, verse 12. What we have received is not the spirit of the world, but the spirit, capital S, Holy Spirit, who is from God. So those of us who follow the way of Jesus, and I want you to hear this carefully because it sounds obnoxious. I'll confess but I just believe it to be true. We, who have heard the good news of Jesus, have not just heard a good way to reach God. Because that would be great, but that's less than what's true. We've not just been given a wisdom that comes from a rabbi who has a pathway, because that would be helpful, but that's no different than the pantheon in Corinth that they come out of. See, because to live in Corinth in their day was to worship the gods, and the most obnoxious person is the person who said, there's only one path, and there's only one God. That was the person that was reviled in their day. You could believe anything as long as you include everyone and every path and every way. And so in walks Paul, who met the risen Jesus, and he's sharing this good news that Jesus was crucified for you. And he says, we have not received a wisdom because there's no way to know the living God except the Holy Spirit of God. And guess what? We have been given that Holy Spirit. And the Spirit helps us to understand, quote, what God has freely given. To be spiritual means that the Holy Spirit has come into your life. And there are things that God has planned and purposed for you and for me that are out of this world. And, and God doesn't want to keep us at bay. He wants to bring us in. He wants to lead us and guide us into all truth. 
He wants us to grow in our knowledge of him day by day. He wants us to mature. He wants those who've been baptized to grow and become leaders in his community who know God's ways and follow God's ways and receive God's ways. And guess what? Every single one of us who follow the way of Jesus can and will. So he has a word of wisdom for the mature. And when he says mature, he doesn't mean five of you in the church are mature. He's saying every one of us who follow the way of Jesus have become the mature in our culture. We've understood God for who he is. We've seen God's way as wise. And because we have the Holy Spirit, verse 13, this is what we speak, not in words taught to us by human wisdom, but in words taught to us by the Holy Spirit, explaining spiritual realities with spirit-taught words. And if you're reading that in your own Bible, I just want you to notice, he says, spirit, 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 spirit. So Paul is the one who's writing the letter, but he's not just writing a letter. The Holy Spirit is guiding Paul to answer their questions and provide truth. And, and Paul's just not making stuff up that he thought of. No, he read the Bible. Because from cover to cover, the word of God is God-breathed. And we can know what's right and true in a world that doesn't believe there is any objective, real thing called truth. It is what you make of it. And what is true to you might not be true to me. It sounds enticing. It is the culture we're we're, we're swimming in. It is the, the thought process to say that, that God is and that God is true and that God is real and that God has things to say for our life. It sounds ancient, obnoxious, and unhelpful. And this, my friends, is what the church in Corinth 75 to 100 people in a city of 750,000. And God's word to them is you are spiritual because you've been given God's spirit to live within you and you are being taught spiritual truths. Even though humans were teaching, the Holy Spirit was working. As they read their Bibles, the Holy Spirit was illuminating. God has revealed himself by his Holy Spirit, and you and I can grow and grow and grow in our knowledge of God. All right, a helpful quote, and I, I really want us to respond to this this morning. Because one thing to have a conversation about truth and about spirituality and about what's right, it's another thing to encounter it. If this is right and true, and we've been given the Holy Spirit, and the Spirit will teach us all things, we should have a confidence in approaching God. That means we can come to God with anything. We can come to God with everything and know that we're being heard and seen and, and God is moving for our good. But a helpful quote by one of the commentators on this passage, which summarizes everything I've been saying. It took me 30 minutes. It takes him three seconds. The link between God and Christians is the Holy Spirit. The believer may know God because the believer has the Holy Spirit, not because she or he has received some quote-unquote advanced course in esoteric human rhetoric or wisdom. One knows God only in God's 
self-revelation by the Holy Spirit. Humans, I love this, cannot reason their way up to God. To be spiritual means that the Holy Spirit has come into my life. So if you've placed your trust in the death and resurrection of Jesus, if you did that when you were seven or 17, or you did it even a month ago, or you do it this morning, I just want you to be encouraged. You don't need to take this for granted, but you've been so deeply loved that God has come to live with you. And when you woke up this morning, God, who's everywhere, sure, was with you. And when you were in an argument driving here this morning, which I just called you out, when you were in an argument, God was with you. As you and your mind are battling thoughts that are holding you captive, and you are dealing with whether it's anxiety or stress or doubt, whatever it is, God is there with you, and God wants to reveal a bit of himself, make known himself to you in ways that you can understand so that you can serve the living God, which means we should live with confidence. God will show us what's right and true. Jesus follower, we don't have to go outside looking and searching for more than Jesus. If you know Jesus, that is enough. And if you grow in what he has said and revealed, so I want to know God better. And I think, oh my goodness, God spent thousands of years painstakingly giving us a bit of himself so that we would know in any language around the world, you can know what God is like. And any time, in any part of the day, you can know what God is thinking. You can know what God has done. You can know what God has said. And, 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 and we think that we, we need something else to connect with the living God. God has given us his Holy Spirit. And the words of the Bible are Holy Spirit breathed God words towards us. And so we can have confidence when we approach God and we humble ourselves and we read the Bible and we take a moment or two and we stop and we say, God, I know you're with me, but I don't know your nearness. Make yourself re- real to me. The Holy Spirit is there. And so, so God's truth is there and then God's power is there and God's presence is there. And this is something I think that all of us can grow in. Recognizing that at any moment because God has given me the Holy Spirit, I can meet with God and I can encounter whatever I need from God in that moment. So when we come together, whether you know it or not, we are praying for you before you get here that whatever you're coming in with, that the realness of God would be made known to you. And that whatever it is that you were wrestling or struggling or burden you were carrying, that in the encounter that we have as we sing songs to God, as we celebrate baptism, as we read the Bible, as we take communion, that you would really not just do a thing and check a box and nod and sing and go, but that this would be a space where we set aside for us to meet with God for real. But you know what? Equally, when you're in the car, you can meet with God. And when you're in your community group, when there's six or seven or 12 of you around a meal, you're meeting with God. And, and when you're with your friend and you're wrestling with something and you're praying, you're meeting with God. To be spiritual means that the Holy Spirit has come into your life. So let me just read, and I'm gonna invite us to read together what Paul given words by the Holy Spirit, wrote to this church. But I want us to be reminded. And on the count of three, I want us to just say these words together out loud, all of us, 
because they just ring true. Ready? One, two, three. What no eye has seen, what no ear has heard, and what no human mind has conceived, the things God has prepared for those who love him, these are the things God has revealed to us by his Holy Spirit. What do we need to bring to God's loving care this morning? Well, no, no eye has seen, no ears heard, no mind is conceived. All that God has for you in this moment. And so what we want to do is we want to be real and not just talk about God, but invite God into our space. Um, for some of you, uh, you're, you're newer here and there's always people visiting each week, so I explain it because I don't want anyone to be confused. We format our gathering around listening to God's word, being taught, and then responding to it. And by that, that means action. That means we do things in light of what we've heard. So people heard that Jesus Christ rescues us. And if we put our trust in him, he rescues us now. And, and, and in the pattern of the Bible, those who receive God's rescue, the first thing they did was they publicly went before the community and said, I'm going down in the water. Old life is gone. New life has come. I'm now one of Jesus' followers. And so some of our friends here have followed in obedience. They heard the word of truth and they responded. In the same way, I want us to take action steps this morning. Uh, and I'm going to list out a few. Where do you need wisdom? If you're wrestling with some decision-making thing that you need to engage in, whether it's a long-term question or you just came in with it this morning, if you need wisdom from God, uh, in a moment when we sing, I'm going to invite you to act, to move. Uh, the way we do it here is we open the sides of the space because it's a little quieter, and we just stand before God and we bring these requests. I'm going to invite you to get out of your seat and to pray, to bring that to God. And then we have a prayer team. They're not going to ask your name. They're not going to talk to you. They're just going to come behind you and pray that God would provide the wisdom that you need. No, no conversation. But they want to join you. Pray for one another that you may be whole, the Bible says. Do you, do you need God's peace? Is there some unsettling in your soul? I'm going to invite you to step out and say, God, I need you to provide that peace. And stepping out doesn't make you spiritual. Remember, spiritual is what? that the Holy Spirit has come to live within you. This just means that you're seeking, that you're taking steps of faith. Uh, are, is there a truth that you need to guide you? Are you looking for God's love to comfort you? God is not far. So if the decisions you need to make, respond. If there is a change that you can't make happen within and you need God's empowering presence, respond. If you're dealing with doubt, if you need wisdom, if you're looking for God's power, these are all words that as I was praying for you this morning just came to my mind and I just trust that if it points to you, then simply respond. And friend, and here this is just a word of love. If you have chosen to follow Jesus or this morning you say, I want to follow Jesus and I believe that my own goodness cannot get me into the presence of God, but Jesus' perfection and his price paid for me can bring me back to life with God. I'm, I'm holding on to Jesus as my only hope. If that is you here this morning, we invite you uh, to come to one of the sides. I'm going to come to this side. My friend Ryan, who I think is here. Ryan, Ryan, Ryan. Yeah. Uh, Ryan, you come to that side and I'm going to come to this side. And if you want to be baptized this morning, you can come to prayer for anything. It's open. You say, what if everyone comes? Wow. That would be wonderful too. 
It's not the walking. Hear me. Spiritual means you have the Holy Spirit. But it's acts of obedience that unlock God's goodness in our life. And when we step out in faith, God meets us because he loves us. So I'm going to invite you, if you need prayer for anything, come to the left, come to the right. If you would like to be baptized this morning, then find my friend Ryan over here, find myself over here. And at the end of our gathering, we have extra towels, we have clothes for you. Uh, we, we would love to see you baptized. God, the Holy Spirit, we honor you. Father, Son, and Spirit. God, as you've, as you've revealed yourself to us, we now humble ourselves before you and we, we take the right place. You are God, we are not. And so we want to meet with you. And so Jesus, thank you for sending the Spirit. And because now, those of us who follow you have the Spirit. Now, awaken us, God, to your nearness, your goodness, to your peace, to your wisdom, to your love, to your truth, to your correction. Whatever it is, God, that your people need, we now open up our minds and hearts to receive from you. Would you come and give good gifts to your children who are hungry and asking? And so meet with us, we pray. Amen. Uh, we we offer songs as gateways to connect with God. So I'm going to invite you to stand to your feet if you would, please. Please, if you stand. And, and here's what we're going to do. We're going to sing. And the song is an opportunity for us to connect our minds with what's true and our mouths with what's true. But if you're feeling tugged this morning for any of these reasons, then while the singing is happening, and it's going to take boldness for some of you, if you're in the middle of a row, you're going to have to use these spiritual words, excuse me. Just simply not, excuse me. And your friend, they may walk with you, who knows? If you're married, uh, if you're here with someone and you feel like, man, they wanna go, but they don't wanna go alone, go with them. It's not a show. It's an invitation to meet with God. So the sides are open for prayer for the rest of us to sing these songs and then we'll be led to a time of communion in a few moments.